What's up, guys? Today on the podcast, we are speaking to Craig Wilshire. Craig is the founder of Strudo, uh, one of our elite partners as of May 2021. These guys have been around for a long time. They got involved with HubSpot almost 10 years ago when uh, HubSpot was a, a more marketing uh, technology focused company those guys have evolved along with us and we talk about uh, craig's background in implementing it solutions that have really helped the um, the evolution of the business uh, towards so solving complex problems for hubspot customers we talk about globalization we talk about finding great talent to solve hard problems um, we really dig into how uh, strudo are are serving customers of HubSpot in the long term. Great chat with somebody who knows a lot about HubSpot and a lot about uh, technology partnering. So without further ado, I'll kick it over to the guys. Welcome to the DubSpot Partner Podcast, where we chat to HubSpot partners about how they deliver outstanding value to their customers in an evolving technology landscape. And now live from HubSpot EMEA HQ in Dublin, here's your host, Luke Curry. Welcome to another episode of the Dubspot Partner Podcast. I'm here, not in uh, Dubspot HQ like the intro says. I'm actually in my box room, but there's good news on that front. We are going back to the office uh, pretty soon, this month anyway, uh, in Dublin. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing people for the first time in two years. I saw some people are already trickling in uh, in the kind of first phase today, putting up pictures and stuff like that. So we are super excited. Uh, I'm here with Craig uh, Wilcher and he is the the founder of Strutto, one of our one of our elite partners uh, based in the UK, and also uh, perhaps in uh, South Africa, where you're calling in from Cape Town. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be here. Luke. Thanks very much for joining us. So, what's the what's the story? Are you guys getting just the 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 business off the ground in Cape Town? How do you have a, a kind of a footprint there already? What's the story there? Yeah, Luke, we've been in Cape Town since about 2013, actually. So, you know, we started out in the UK. We wanted to grow the business. We grew the business organically. Um, my brother joined me quite early on, about 2012, and it just seemed natural to set up the operational functions out here in Cape Town. Okay, cool. So the uh, the the main part of the business is still in the UK, is that right? Correct. So our focus is on the UK and European market. We have a number of clients sort of globally as well. You tend to come across those when you start pushing up into the mid to enterprise space. You know, you're suddenly working with people in San Francisco, people in New Zealand, nice. world's your oyster. Yeah. I, this, yeah. Is, this is the thing that I've been uh, learning more about partners as I've been doing these interviews is that, you know, they might have, when they started off with HubSpot as a, uh, as a partner, as a, kind of a tool to serve their customers, you know, 10 years ago or something, it was very local. It was mm. people in their, in their city, in their region, maybe, um, but. Like you said, it's the the globalization is really kind of kicking in, which is great to see. A lot of opportunity out there. Um, so Definitely. What, what if we kind of rewind the the clock a little bit? Um, how did Strudel mm. kind of get going, and how do you guys get interest or kind of introdu introduced rather to uh, to HubSpot? Because you guys have been around almost okay. since the very beginning. Correct. Yeah. So look, we I started um, Strudel in 2011. I had exited a previous business. Business, having sold that business, it was a technology-based business. We were actually a Cisco partner. Um, and when I started Struto, I was looking for a company that had a similar kind of channel model that I could grow this business off the back of. So 
I explored the the usual suspects at that time. It was kind of Eloqua in the in the enterprise space. Yeah, Marketo firmly in that kind of middle ground, and then HubSpot had this SME up push, and that kind of approach made sense to me at the time. I figured, you know, if HubSpot are going to push from the SME market up, there's an the ability ability to learn and grasp these new ways of doing marketing. You know, remember at that time, inbound was all the rage. Inbound story is what helped grow HubSpot at that time. It was fresh. It was new at the time. You know, it's the kind of thing that's taken for granted now and baked into everything we do. We don't even call it that anymore, so to speak. But um, but it was really, really a dynamic, new, fresh idea at the time. And that's what got us behind HubSpot. Very early on, started researching in 2011, became a partner at the beginning of 2012. That's that's I know in a lot of uh, a lot of companies twenty twelve doesn't seem that long ago, but in HubSpot that is like you know donkeys years ago. Like I started in <laughs> two thousand sixteen, and the the company has changed. the The product has evolved like a rocket ship. It's absolutely. It's it's so it's you know completely different now. But when you were uh, when you guys got started, and you were you know that's the business model that you had had done successfully before. You know the channel market where you know you can build, mm. you know a value add on top of a, a platform which is great um at the time was it mm. was it just uh marketing activities that you were doing or was there any type of uh, technical element to what you guys were doing back then so that's interesting because the vision at the time was that cisco type channel and a technology-led sale that would then wrap services around unfortunately hubspot was very immature at that point a lot more immature than i'd actually realized okay. so it was a bit of a shock <laughs> at first and what we had to do was start out really as a marketing agency. So the only services we could really wrap around was actually doing so doing stuff for your for your customers. So how do I help you, you know, do the usual, attract more visitors, convert more leads, and, and generate more customers and hence revenue off the back of that. So it was a very standard playbook at that time. Um, and for a number of years, I think that playbook remained the same, you know. Until sort of three or four years ago, there was very little change in that sort of marketing-led go-to-market, that sort of traditional inbound agency where HubSpot's bright orange and everyone else is beige. Yeah, yeah? Everyone else doing the same thing, the same way, yeah. that type of thing. It's interesting as well the way this kind of panned out then because you had the skills or you had the kind of the experience or the, the mindset uh, from the very beginning of where HubSpot is now. Mm -hmm. So as it evolved, it kind of suited you guys. Would you say that or absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean i was getting very frustrated with that sort of markets um the, the state of the market sort of three years ago or so started thinking about how we could evolve and at the time as you said when you started in 2016 hubspot has changed significantly from then and it's that change that has really enabled this business to change as well so think about the the breadth in the offering, think about the end-to-end -end platform play. Think about connecting your website and marketing to sales and service and actually using the technology to impact the customer's journey. Think about the customer experiences that you can create along the way, those touch points and how you can enable them more effectively. So as HubSpot developed as a, as a platform and started taking that platform approach to the market, so it got more and more into our sort of sweet spot. And so we spent the last few years reshaping the structure of the business and the way our services are deployed and the services that we offer to reflect what we think the future of HubSpot is going to look like. 
it's it's a very interesting approach as well and i i, I did some research before we had our chat today on the website um and i really mm. i really like the way you've broken it up into technical uh services website services and then pro services it's very much you know mm. this, you're going to be uh, serving whatever people need at that time in their business um also something yeah. that i always comment when i uh talk to people about their website if i end up reading uh your website it's doing something right the copy's working i it's it's engaging enough for somebody who's basically just trying to uh, scrape a website get an idea of a company um but if you find yourself yeah. three paragraphs in there's actually something there to say <laughs> you know that's what i was well, thanks because i actually wrote that myself so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that on the back <laughs> good job so the th this is the thing i wanted to talk to you about um the kind of uh the the concept of a, a non-retainer retainer on the website because mm. this is the I was, talking, yeah. I was talking to another partner there and they're trying to get this right and my own partners it, it's a funny one because the retainer it you have to prove yourself kind of every month every quarter uh yeah you know so yeah. this when on the website when it says non-retainer what are you what are you guys kind of talking about there so i think about two years ago um we decided that it was it was quite evident in the in the market that folks don't want to sign annual retainers that don't want to commit to that year um, with an agency they're always baking in get out clauses and so forth in the contract so it's not actually a contract in the first place yeah okay so so that whole the whole legal structure just means that it, it doesn't actually exist as a binding contract for a year what you know in terms of the research i did at the time at the, most of the evidence pointed to a reduction in retained services across any industry so i had to start thinking about new ways to engage and i think if we can build services that work in specific time frames say a quarter something like that that have specific structured um, deliverables and endpoints and beginning points and keep a cycle of activity going you're going to take someone on a journey you're going to keep moving forward with them you're going to keep adapting your service and deliverables to their requirements as they evolve as a business so it becomes a lot more personal becomes a lot more engaging for that prospect or the customer at that point um, and helps them realize more significant value from what you do rather than i pay for this and you do these standard things for me every month yeah so reshaping that concept is important and then giving them the the ability to bow out if it's not working and for us to bow out if it's not working you know i think that's important just as important sometimes it's just not good fit and you just need to go listen let's both let's both move on and i think i think you're you're right about the 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 way people commitment is is something that's tough for for anyone and especially in uh in these days when we don't know what's coming next in the market or lockdowns yeah. or you know there's, lot, there's lots of kind of variables out there right now so having that type of flexibility mm -hmm. and focusing on deliverables i think i think that's a, a an easier sell um especially because yeah I, I didn't realize that uh what you said there where you know you might have a contract but because there's so many get out of get out of contract clauses and stuff like that it, how enforceable is it that i think enforceability yeah. is the most important thing in a contract and if it can't be enforced sure, yeah absolutely. <laughs> there's no uh, there's a couple of other things i think that have been driving that because i mean we we're still iterating on that service structure at the moment and the next iteration that's coming up on the website 6.0 when it's released at the end of the month um, you're going to see an evolution around the sort of strategic inputs in that sort of um, service delivery focused around 
um, more focused around strategic delivery and building strategy, and then access to talent on demand in a in a more sort of as a service type way. So I think there's some cool stuff coming down the line as well. It's interesting, and do you, because you're doing that that type of work, do you come across just this is this is one uh, was one of the the questions that I had written down here, but just out of interest, when you're doing these types mm. of uh, deployments or you're kind of you know, setting up these deliverables, is there any uh, kind of new technology or anything that's uh, kind of adjacent to HubSpot or you know works really well with HubSpot that you'd be working with customers on? Just out of interest, is there anything out there that comes to mind where you're like, this is kind of exciting, works well with HubSpot? Mm. So I think in in the marketing service delivery space, so if we're thinking about customer success from a delivery of service based around the marketing tools and leaning into sales and service. Um, we don't go into other technologies per se. Okay. Um, I know some, you know, we use Databox and things like that to help with, with reporting potentially. Um, we use Vidyard, things like that, in order to complement our clients go to market and, and build a broader sort of technology platform when it comes to video, things like that. In the integration space, there you start looking at, at a different kind of ball game altogether. And that's one of the areas where we play quite strongly as we lean towards not only helping you be successful with HubSpot and use HubSpot effectively and deliver services that, you know, enhance your usage by providing design, development, marketing strategy, these types of things. It's on the systems integration side that things get really interesting from a technology perspective. We're drawing on either creating technology to actually go and meet an objective or, or using off-the-shelf um, products as well. So that's probably where it differentiates. Interesting. And it's, I think as we, as the, the product evolves, it, it becomes more, uh, you know, more important in an organization and then integrations become more important because you want to have HubSpot at the center of the business. You have to, there's going to be like, a, I remember whenever there's like an enterprise deal where there's multi departments that all have their own kind of stack mm-hmm. and they've got their own kind of, uh, uh, kind of decision maker in that. And he's like, this is what I want to use. I'm not going to, because the sales and marketing guys are changing. Yeah. I'm not like, that doesn't, shouldn't affect me. It's a, it's more difficult to try to, they probably wouldn't get the most out of the product anyway. So why don't we just make sure that they're happy, integrate all of the information that's valuable to the kind of the customer side of things with HubSpot and uh, everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think that's probably one of the most, the biggest growing area for us as a business. And that's where we're investing a lot of time and growing our talent base and skills in that area. We've had to reshape the way we sell in order to accommodate that broader technology thing now. So that's, I think, where, where things get really exciting. Yeah, it's 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 exciting world out there in the HubSpot landscape. But uh, so like one of the things that I've been asking people uh, that are, during these conversations is what type of, I know, like, most almost ever I speak to always talks about they want to make the customer happy. They want to really have impact on their business. But from a from a, mm. a kind of a selfish point of view or a personal point of view, what type of projects do you really like doing? Is there like is there? Do you guys have something? That you, if something cro- comes across your desk, you're like, ah, oh, this is uh, Strudo all over it. You know, like that's that's a good that's a good one. If we're talking about specific markets that we engage in, I think the the, the common denominator when it comes to um, our customers is that they typically have something that's quite difficult to articulate, something that has a longer sales cycle, something that requires multiple stakeholders to be part of that process. You know, and that could be that they're leaning or coming in from a technology perspective, or they deliver services that are underpinned by some kind of technology. 
So if, if there's a sweet spot for us from a, a customer perspective, it's you've got something interesting, something that's um, obviously often technically complex, something that's got a story that's difficult to, to articulate, and then that's kind of interesting to us, definitely. Nice. So you like to kind of tease. Also, it. if you if you're if you're a techie in a company, we like to talk to techies because we like techies. Yeah, <laughs> that was the the thing when I was in uh, what like. I wouldn't be the, the most technical person. I do I like software and stuff like that, but definitely not. My experience is limited to mostly the sales side of things. But I always used to say when I was in direct sales, I would if they were bringing a, a tech guy, I'm bringing some backup as well. So I'd either use yeah, no, a partner or uh, you know, yeah. let those two guys kind of geek it out. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch sometimes, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, in terms of what we've been doing on the sales side with regards to that technical pieces, bringing in people from other kinds of company other than HubSpot. Yeah, so that way we upskill and, you know, we have that sort of balance of sales talent as well as technical talent available. Yeah, and having that in-house, I think, is a, is a big deal as well. Like, there's, there's times, Absolutely. you know, obviously, if there's, is there something very specific that needs to be done, maybe it's not worth hiring, you know, somebody for that task and just kind of getting it done from somebody from a part-time point of view or, um, you know, from a different company mm. to even kind of subcontract that. But um, having a technical resources within a company, I think is it's got to be, you know, not just for what they can deliver, but also how they think about technology. It's a different, mm. it's a different kind of view on things when they come in from the outside. I think that's really uh, positive as well. Yeah, but I think that the thing that's important here is if we think about where HubSpot's going, and as you guys push into that market and enterprise, um, a lot of the skills required to deliver technology in a complex environment, so think of an environment that has multiple integrations and such, yeah. a lot of those skills aren't within the current HubSpot ecosystem. Yeah? Yeah. I'm fortunate. I've, I've had experience deploying large technology projects in a previous slide. But most partners out there haven't had a lot of that experience. So the, the challenge that we have when it comes to de delivering technology at a broader, more technical level is making sure that we're getting the right business operational and technical requirements out of our customers, that we're helping to educate our customers, that when you're investing in HubSpot and integrations, it's a, it's a life cycle-based solution. It's a solution that's going to work for a period. It's going to support those business operational and technical requirements, but there's going to be a lifetime to that, maybe two, three years. How through that process are we optimizing and staying relevant with the solution? So you're not buying once, deploying and forgetting. We've got to build relationships that go on for longer. We've got to build relationships that have specific check-in points, specific processes that allow us to check in is the upper, is the solution still fit for purpose? And if not, how do we readdress that and how do we iterate on that solution in order to make sure that it extends the lifetime? So the, the sale is a little bit different these days. You know, I think from, from a, a prospect perspective or from a partner perspective, we need to think about how we engage early on and how we scope our solutions more effectively, how we plan to deploy those solutions more effectively than how we actually deploy them. And the better we get in those early phases, the better the solution outcome is going to be. Yeah? yeah. And then we've got to think about the services that we're going to deploy for the lifetime of that solution in order, in order to support the customer for the longer term. So how do we get that technology to really embed with a customer? How do we get the adoption take up? 
And so what we're exploring at the moment is more services that allow us to come in at an entry point that gives people, for instance, access to talent to get stuff done using HubSpot or access to someone who can help with their adoption and can provide input as to how the technology or how successful they are at adopting the technology. And then right the way through to people that can actually help them with that strategic input to give them the bigger picture piece. And so I think the services are gonna kind of ramp up in future. You can have different levels of engagement based on how people need to use HubSpot, based on the amount of talent they've got within their company. So it's a really interesting dynamic, I think, that we're, we're, we're entering into in the future. It's so exciting as well to hear partners talking about that type of the long tail of uh, potential uh, services for customers because when I was working with uh, with partners in the direct sales, I always liked working with partners that had that long term view. Um, most of them do, but like the ones who really execute on that um, was was very valuable to me as a salesperson um, because you know I want to I want my customers to be happy in the long term and you know it's almost like a it, it kind of outsourcing that kind of part of the of your business as a salesperson if you have mm. a trusted partner that you know you know, I'm going to hand this over to these guys and they're going to run with it and the part, the customer's going to get more out of the, the product than they ever could on their own. And I think that's that's kind of the takeaway from partnerships. You know? oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the challenge with the way the technology is sold at the moment all too often is that you buy HubSpot, you get onboarded and you're set for life. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's be honest. You know, onboarding is the first step in, in a journey that's going to last for years. You know, yeah. how often do we see customers where they're onboarded and the people that were onboarded leave the company? Where are the yeah. follow-up services to help the next person that comes along, pick up the pieces, carry on with the technology and make sure that, that the business owners who invested in that technology are actually getting the return that they were expecting. 100%. So we've got to think a little bit differently. Yeah. I, I think this is a kind of evolution as well that uh, that we're going to have to go through, and it's you know we've we've actually burned through our, our twenty minute here, but uh, maybe just on a just on a <laughs> on a, uh, a kind of final note, you can uh, edit it later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll you know, just like edit out like five minutes of hard hitting stuff. You know, that's the that's the goal. <laughs> um, but Craig, what what do you what do you see? Where do you see the business in you know five years? Are you guys going to you know grow out the the, the office in Cape Town is that going to be as big as the what you guys are doing in uh, the UK? What's the what's the plan? So I think it's all going to depend on talent and where talent can be found as to how the company develops and operates in future. We obviously have people in the UK and Europe. We have people in Cape Town, but all the time, you know, we, we're entering a really interesting phase in this kind of post-COVID. Well, still COVID around, but a kind of post the initial impact of COVID phase, where there's been a lot of remote working, there's, I think we're moving towards a kind of hybrid work scenario with people going in and out of the office to collaborate, this type of thing. Um, but I think that also means that that the hunt for talent is gonna take a new shape. You know, in the UK, we used to have a centralized office. Now we have people all over the UK. Cape Town, we've always had a centralized office, but now a lot of those people are working from home and then they're coming into the office to collaborate. That to me says that, okay, when we're thinking about talent and let's face it, we're, you know, we're three times bigger than we were a little while ago. We're trying to hire all the time. There's three, four, five, six job opportunities with us all the time. You know, where are those people going to come from? Are they all going to be in Cape Town? I don't think so. So what's the next stage? What is the next place where the talent can be found? How do we build new communities 
in other places that are going to help support the overall vision. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting next phase. Definitely. And uh, I think that's the, I think over the next five years, that's going to be like the question every company is asking, you know, what's the, you know, there's going to be, it's obviously benefits of everyone being in one place all the time where they can collaborate on, mm. on demand. Um, but, you know, with, with online tools, things are getting easier. People are getting more used to, you know, getting the most out of working from home. So I think it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see how you guys get on over the next uh, five years. You guys are already elite. Um, if we have a, another badge above elite by, by, by then in five years, hopefully you guys will uh, be still with us and serving customers. Love to <laughs> Craig, thanks very Fantastic. much. Fantastic. Thanks, Luke. Chat soon. Awesome.